Hello, and welcome back to the Care to Change podcast, where we discuss practical solutions for positive change. We're so grateful that you've chosen to join us. Today, you'll be listening to a conversation our director, April Bordeaux, has with one of Care to Change's therapists, Jean Crane, to discuss mental health in the church as a part of our Church Leader Topics series. Thank you for listening as we continue to foster practical solutions for positive change. Welcome back to the Care to Change podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to spend your time with us today. It's our hope and prayer that we offer you some practical solutions for positive change. So we are so glad that you're here. Today's topic is mental health and the church. And wow, um, that's a big topic. We have a special guest returning with us today, Jean Crane. Thank you, Jean, for coming back. We're so glad you're here today. You bet. So mental health in the church, before we start uh, talking about the topic, for those who are new to you, will you share a little bit about what brought you here today and uh, why when we put out that this is an important topic for us to cover in our podcast, why did you say this is a good one for me? Sure. Um, Well, I have a special place in my heart for churches because I actually grew up as a PK Um, My dad was a pastor pretty much my whole life. And so, um, and I was really blessed because it was a great situation. Um, He was a a great shepherd of a flock, but also a great shepherd of our family. And so I'm really grateful for the church and um, the ministry that it's had in my life. And so when it comes to kind of combining two passions that I have, one is the church and one is mental health and psychology since my background. I just, I love this topic and love to talk with pastors and staff members and lay leaders at churches about how we can work together to address this. I love that. I love that. I'm so glad you're here. Um, with that background, uh, how did you, before we get into the actual topic itself, how did you go from being a pastor's kid into the mental health field? Because sometimes, and I hope that we address this today in our conversation, sometimes people see the two as you pick your, the diagnostic manual and your mental health, or you pick Jesus in the Bible, <laughs> like, like they're two different on two different spectrums. I know we touched on this in an earlier podcast about, um, stress, right. But, um, we can talk a little bit more about that today. How did you, as a pastor's kid decide I need to study this area of mental health? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And it's kind of a cool story. Um, actually has to do with my dad. So obviously when you're growing up, you know, your parents are kind of having conversations with you about what your areas of interest are and what you're good at. And so I remember my dad having a conversation with me because we had a really good friend in our church who was a psychologist and he and my dad used to meet, um, for prayer times in the morning, I think once a week. And his wife actually was a mentor to me. So it was really close to this family. And my dad was just asking me, so what is it that you like? You know, Gene, you like people. You're an extrovert. You're always talking to people. That's just been something like that he said I, he saw in me. And so um, he's like, have you ever considered counseling? And I didn't really know too much about it, but I thought it was an interesting field. And um, I guess as a blessing, he didn't see the two as separate. Like you're either a person of faith who just uses the Bible as your manual and that should be sufficient, or you're a person that goes to a secular psychologist for help. He kind of saw the two as interacting, probably especially because of our friend, Dr. Dan Rumberger. And so then when he started talking to me about it, I remember having the conversation even before I went to college and 
<clears throat> sadly, when I went to college, I picked my major based on what takes the least amount of hours to get out of here. <laughs> and that was communication. So my undergrad from Wheaton College is actually in communications because wow. I could graduate early. But um, after, I mean, it, was, it still works out because God knows what he's doing. I'm obviously talking to a right. lot of people. But um, then after college, I went and worked in the insurance industry for a couple of years and just knew that I liked it, but it wasn't what I was passionate about. And so my dad was talking to me and I was meeting with my friend Susanna, um, which was Dan Rumberger's wife. And Dan Rumberger said, well, if you are kind of interested in counseling, then why don't you just go to this conference it's called the American Association of Christian nice. Counseling? Yes. And it's in Dallas. And why don't you just mm -hmm. go down there and check it out and see what you think? And I'm not even kidding. I went down there. I flew down there by myself, this like 23 year old who had no background in counseling. I'd taken psychology in undergrad, but um, no background personally in counseling or anything. And I got there and I was listening to what they were talking about and going to the breakouts. And I just felt the calling on my heart that this is what I'm supposed to do. And I feel so blessed to say that, mm. you know, 20 years later, I went back to grad school, got my degree and I've been working in the field ever since. And I've just been so grateful that it's, it's been a privilege to work in this field. And I still love it. Nice. That's very, that's yeah. nice. And you're so good at it. You know, um, you. I'm a little bit biased, obviously, because you <laughs> are at Care to Change, but we get <clears throat> such good feedback and people just, you know, Thank you. please let me see Jane. And so I know that you are making a difference. We see it in the satisfaction surveys and such. And so I know that you um, heard straight from God what your calling is supposed to be and you're living that out. And, and I know we've said this before, but it's, there's something beautiful when you get to call, you get to do what you love, yes. uh, and bring your faith Absolutely. into that. So this topic, wow. Uh, mental health and the church. And, uh, like I said, you know, I think people sometimes think, um, you know, if you pray and you read your Bible mm -hmm. and you listen to worship music, that, um, mental health is sort of a separate issue. And mm -hmm. so can you talk a little bit about, um, what, how do the two intersect and how, how what, what would you want to say, you know, you have a, you have a soft spot being a, a pastor's mm -hmm. child. What would you say to, I, mean, I know I'm asking you kind of two different questions, but what do you say to church leaders who, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's this way or it's this way mm -hmm. kind of, I, I know this can yeah. be touchy too, but let's just go there. Um, what, what would you want to say about mental health in the church? Yeah. Well, I was blessed to actually get my graduate degree at Trinity Seminary. So I actually went to a seminary where people are being trained in the church nice. and <clears throat> also received my master's for counseling psychology there. So our master's thesis was actually called the integration of psychology and theology. And they really, during my whole course of um, graduate studies there, they wanted us to integrate what we believed in our faith into every class that we took on developmental psychology, on substance abuse, on anything in this field. And um, I loved that work because that's, I mean, it's just beautiful. So the truth of the matter is it's not really the integration of psychology and theology. It's what does our faith teach us and how does that fit with what social science research mm. backs up? And the truth of the matter is they go hand in hand. The stuff that works in psychology, most of that stuff comes from a biblical basis, even if they don't know right. that. So, you know, you look at some of the things that are like big hot topics in psychology these days, like gratefulness, forgiveness, these issues. And you look at the Bible and you say, man, God said that to us so long mm -hmm. ago. So when I wrote my thesis, I, um, 
kind of picked what I thought my theoretical orientation or how I would practice counseling would be and how does that fit with scripture. And it was wonderful. I loved every second of that because I was looking at God's word and how does it fit. And the two really do go hand in hand. You don't have, I don't think that you have to throw out one or the other. I think that you can see how God ordained. I mean, he created us. It's the handbook for living. So when we follow that handbook, it should play out in mm-hmm. research and psychology. And it does. It does. It really does. Can you give an example? I know I'm putting on the spot here, but can you give an example of what we in the, um, in the field of counseling or therapy would consider what what we call evidence-based or Mm -hmm. science-based or Mm -hmm. research-based methods that we know as therapists make a difference in the lives of people that regardless of whether or not you have a faith background, science shows that this makes a difference and then how it really fits. So talk about maybe just one of the the methods that you use that you know is evidence-based and how is it supported by scripture? Sure. So, There's a a counseling technique called CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, and it is evidence-based. There's been so much research that's been done on this technique. And really, the premise of it is that what we think about ends up affecting how we feel, and how we feel affects our behaviors. And so, um, I mean, I think we could all agree that is true. When we're thinking about something awesome, we're excited about it, we feel great and kind of prone Mm -hmm. towards good things. And same goes on the opposite side. So if you think about scripture, I mean, it says, think about things that are lovely and pure and of good report and take captive your thoughts. So God's word said that a long time ago. It said, be careful about what you think about because Mm -hmm. that's going to impact your life. Um, so I just love it. I think that's one of the, a really short example, but a basic mm-hmm. example of how God's word really fits with evidence-based treatment in psychology. Yeah. I think of the scripture, take captive every thought, yes. right? And yes. so if we're taking our thoughts captive and we assess whether or not those thoughts are good and true and lovely and pure and right and all yes. of those things that you said, well, if we're focusing on those things, of course, we're going to feel about mm-hmm. whatever it is that we're focusing on. <clears throat> if we're focusing on those things. So what happens when someone who is a believer, they say, I have faith in Jesus or in the scripture, and I'm trying to take captive all of my thoughts and I'm, and I'm trying to Mm -hmm. focus and yet I'm still experiencing, you know, anxiety or Mm -hmm. depression or what am I doing wrong? How do I, as a Christian, find help in those areas when I really am trying to do these things that the Bible tells me? What do you, what do you tell someone? That's a great question and definitely comes up a lot with people of faith. Um, So the first thing I would say is like, this doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing something wrong. Please keep doing what you're doing. Keep reading God's word. Keep spending time in prayer and keep that truth coming into your mind. But let's also look at some of the other factors that might be contributing to why you're struggling. You know, now research has shown us so much about the brain and how the brain holds memories and how those memories are so stored and can contribute to how we feel in our body and has shown us just so much more about genetics and how, you know, some people are just predisposed towards a mental health um, condition that could be hard, like anxiety or depression and chemicals in the brain. So there's a lot more to it than just like opening up your brain and dumping in scripture. And that's going to be what really takes you to the next level. It's really important, but it's not the only thing. So when you come and see a counselor who Um, has faith and shares your biblical worldview, but also understand some of the evidence-based treatment and way to work and to understand that together. I think it's a 
a great mix. I love that. And, um, you know, this Care to Change podcast, and we will put it in the notes section of the podcast, really. We have a graphic that shows what makes Care to Change a little different than other places that you might go for, for counseling. And if you've gotten this far in the podcast, most likely you are either interested in faith or you have a question about the faith, but the graphic shows, you know, um, three circles that overlap and one circle is science. Uh, one circle is the scripture and then another circle is experience, which is one of our, our principles, you know, that we would hire people that have a certain level of experience and right in the center where all three overlap is really where we sit. And a lot of times, you know, there are other places that don't have all three and that's not part of the way that they operate, which that's their thing, but for care to change, that's really the reason why we wanted to, to, um, have this, um, this program, this service, this organization was to integrate what does science say? What does our experience tell us? And what does the Bible say? And right there in the center is yeah. where we get to focus with the people who come in that are hurting, right? Exactly. And um, to be honest, I've never worked on a team like this before where all three of those circles, each person kind of fits. And I remember we were having a team meeting one time and we kind of went around the room and said, what are your specialties? And what was so neat was that each of us kind of have our own areas right. of specialty too, like what we're passionate about. So with those three circles also comes specific niches that I think if someone calls in and says, you know, here's the issue that I'm struggling with, there will be somebody who we can recommend. And mm-hmm. I personally, I would recommend anyone on our team, I would have them work with my kids. That's how much I believe in the team. So yeah, it's a real, too. it's great to work me here. Too. It's sort of our hiring. Like if we wouldn't send our own kids to yeah, them, that's a good, probably not a good, yes. a good person to hire. So what message do you want to give, um, to church leaders? You say, yeah. uh, I know we've talked a, there, we've gone a couple of different directions today, but mm-hmm. you know, if there are church leaders listening and they're really interested in this topic of mental mm-hmm. health. If I were a church leader and I, you know, I didn't go to school to be a church leader. I didn't even go to <clears throat> Christian university undergrad sure. or graduate. So, um, integrating the two was new for me as a therapist. Sure. Like, how do I do this? Yeah. And, um, so, you know, as a pastor, you know, their background is probably more in theology. I know I've seen divinity. I don't yep. even know what that means, but I've seen that, you know, <laughs> with some, you know, masters in yes. divinity or whatever that is. And so, um, church leaders, I hope I'm not offending anyone. I know that your training is very different than even mm-hmm. my training. And so if I were a church leader and I couldn't answer this question cause I didn't grow up with, you know, a pastor mm-hmm. in my home, I've just had conversation with church leaders, but yeah. what do you say to church leaders who say, well, this is my area, but I know people are coming to me that are hurting yes. because if you don't go see a therapist and you attend a church and you're having interpersonal issues or you're experiencing anxiety or panic attacks or your marriage is falling apart or you're having difficulty with your kids like well I can go to my friends I can go to my pastor yeah and so pastors a lot of times Mm -hmm. will come to us and say uh okay I didn't go to school for this I want to help my flock I want to help those who are hurting but where is my limit so what do you say to pastors who are are often the first the first person someone calls when they're in need. What do you say to them? You're absolutely right. I think that you pastors and staff and lay leaders and small group leaders, you guys are on the front lines of mental health help because, um, like we talked we've talked about this in a previous podcast that people don't often just call right away when they start to struggle with something. They usually start by sharing that with a trusted person and you are those trusted people. So the first thing I want to say to 
anyone who works at a church in a lay or staff capacity, thank you. Because you are the front lines. You are helping people. You have created, um, hopefully, a place where they feel safe to come and share a struggle that they're having. So I would say thank you for being there and for trying to create that safe place that gives someone that first ability to start talking about it. Um, And I feel like something really great is happening in churches these days, and that is that we are talking more about mental health in churches. I hear it in sermons all the time from my own personal church to other podcasts or other uh, pastors that I listen to. I'm hearing the issues of anxiety, depression, Mm -hmm. marriage issues, substance abuse, addiction, pornography, some of these things that people are carrying that are such heavy weights. They are being addressed. So thank you for doing that because you are reducing the stigma that in the past may have come with that. And I don't think that um, church leaders may be meant to give that stigma before, but it was like, you go to counseling and now it's like, yeah, like I've heard multiple pastors talk about their own personal counseling. And when I hear that, I'm like, thank you because, you know, it took you off this pedestal of you have it all together and you put down you down here and humanity with me because I don't have it all together either. Yeah. So I would say first, thank you for doing that. And thank you for talking about it from the stage and reducing the stigma. And, you know, if if you're wondering, well, how do we even go about starting to do this? Which I understand because like you said, you have a mostly theological training, maybe a couple of classes in psychology or pastoral counseling, but you know, do you really know how to work with somebody who has had significant trauma in their background? Mm-hmm. Well, how would you be expected to know to do that? Mm-hmm. So I guess I would love to say to you, um, would you partner with us here at Care to Change or a Christian faith-based counseling center, wherever you are to say, let's work together. Let's, you know, once you reach that place where you think like, I don't know if I have uh, the capacity as far as time goes, or even the understanding to know how to help someone walk through this. Um, I think it's a great thing that you can say, I hope that you would be able to say, I'll send them to a trusted place that shares my biblical worldview and the love for Jesus and is going to give them the, the tools and the necessary time frame that it might take for somebody to work through that. That's good. A question that we hear all the time um, from pastors, how do they know when mm-hmm. it is time to refer? Um, and I know that pastors seem to all have their own threshold. You know, yes. some will say, I can't um, meet with them at all, um, go through the care team. Some say, yeah. I'll meet with them one time to assess really the level, the mm-hmm. depth, uh, what it is that they're experiencing. Others will say three times. I have a three time mm-hmm. max limit. So pastors seem to have this. How does, what would you say to a church leader? Um, how do you know when it's time? How do you know when yeah. it's time to say, you know what, let's take you to, or let's refer you to, or I think it would be better if, how do you know? Yeah. Well, it's <clears throat> just exactly what you said that different churches, some have counseling centers, on staff with them. Some have one pastor of the whole church and he has to do all the counseling. So I would say to each, um, each church, you have to assess what you can take in as far as time frame for somebody. And so if you, if you have the time and you are able to, and you're working with say a couple in marriage and you see that progress is being made and they're moving in a good direction and you feel that you have the capability and capacity to do that, um, then 
keep doing it. But if you feel like you've reached some sort of barrier, whether they're not making progress or so much more is coming up that's kind of giving you more information that's like, wow, this is so much bigger than I ever thought of or knew about, which happens quite often. It happens to us mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. So when people come in, they might come in with a presenting problem like I have anxiety. Then all of a sudden we hear like, oh, there's a lot more to it. Um, so if that is and happening. And we refer to each other sometimes yes. in here, right? Yes, So we'll absolutely. say, I've come to the end of what I, I know and yes. ethically I want to refer to someone else on yes. my team because mm-hmm. I know they can handle it. So even mm-hmm. in this field, we do that, yes, right? Yes, we so, do. Yep. Sorry. So yeah, if you're feeling either of those two things that you don't have the time or, or capability or capacity to do it, or so much more is coming up for you than you feel like you're ready to be able to handle, um, please send them our way because we, that's the beauty of counseling. Like we can keep working with someone for an indefinite period of time mm-hmm. because that's what we do. Right, right. And we have some churches, you know, when they refer, you can bring the person. Yes. You can assign them a mentor in the church and have the mentor come. Um, we've had mm-hmm. accountability partners come mm-hmm. with uh, people that we see so that there's a connection between what we're doing here at the office and what they're seeing at church or in mm-hmm. life group. So it's a continuation of the healing process, yes. not just like one hour a week or whatever it is that we're seeing the person. So yeah. really a partnership is... Um, is, is a unique and effective way yeah. uh, way to do that. And we're also happy to answer a question if you are a staff member and you have a question you're wondering, is it time? Feel free to give us a call and we're yeah. happy to talk or email us and to talk that over too. Perfect, so. perfect. Yes, so we have a care line and we want to encourage anyone. You know, this topic of mental health in the church is much bigger than, you know, a 20-minute podcast. And so we can open up lots of um, questions from this. So if you have a question, you know, email us or text or call the care line. Uh, that number will be in the notes from today. So we really want to hear from you. I know for those who are listening that might be church leaders, I want to tell you about a resource and I'm going to ask Jean to, to share one as well. But we have from Care to Change uh, quarterly pastor roundtables. And so we take topics that we know the church is addressing or seeing and we want to tackle those hard topics and so we have really talked about anxiety depression uh, suicide pornography addictions really the really hard lgbt we eating have disorders. eating disorders we have really um developed a a long list of things that we have brought and and we've from that had churches say come back and train our staff in this topic we want them to know more so we want to be a resource to you uh, if you're a church leader but also a family member and you're if you're <clears throat> listening today and you're not a church leader but you're like i i do want to understand the difference uh, if we haven't answered your question you know, we do yes. want to encourage you. Jean, uh, I want to put you on the spot also. There are lots of resources available. What resource would you use um, or recommend to church leaders or people who want to explore more about mental health in the church? Which, what would you say for people to, to where, where would you send them? Yeah, we had, there's a new resource out and honestly, I haven't even read this book yet, but when I looked it over and I knew who it's coming from, which is Barna Research Group, I, mm-hmm. I trust that source and it's called Trauma in the Church, sorry, Trauma in America. Mm. And it's written specifically for church leaders who um, are recognizing the prevalence of trauma in your congregation. And so I think that this would be an excellent resource. You're understanding more about the statistics of how many people are actually struggling in your church. And trauma 
is one of those things when you start to work with somebody in counseling who comes in, maybe they're saying, I have, you know, depression. And then all of a sudden you realize, wow, you know, there is a lot here. There's a lot in their past. There's a lot mm -hmm. of trauma. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that can be a real barrier and it needs to be worked through. The other thing is that there are a lot of people who come into your church who have trauma and we want you as church leaders to be aware of ways that you can interact with them in love and creating a safe place so that they don't just come in and sit in the back row and then leave out the back door and um, are not able to get the help, the spiritual help that they need. Because I'm sure that's why you are in church ministry, because you care about the hearts of your people and you want them to know the love of Jesus. So I think this would be a great resource mm -hmm. for every um, pastor and staff member and leader in a church. And I plan to read it as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait till it comes yeah. in. So, well, thank you all for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. Again, if you have other questions, we haven't answered. Our Caroline is available. We are available for you. We want to be a resource for you. Let us know how we can help. And until next time, uh, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Care to Change podcast, where we discuss practical solutions for positive change. Don't forget to view the show notes for resources mentioned in the conversation. Please reach out to us through the care line at 317-979-7133 or at help at caretochange.org. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube as well. Thanks for listening, and we hope to continue to foster practical solutions for positive change.